Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. And welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, lying in cases of domestic abuse. But before we tackle that topic, I'd like to take a moment to remind you uh, about PeaceWorks University. PeaceWorks University is our online membership community, and we would love to have you be part uh, of that growing network. If you are benefiting from what you're hearing on the PeaceWorks podcast, then PeaceWorks University is your best next step. Uh, We have a vault of past video-based material Uh, interviews with experts in the field, toolbox items to help you with your counseling, care, and confrontation, and so much more. So if you want to learn more about PeaceWorks University, head over to our website, chrismoles.org. Also, at the time of this recording, we are quickly approaching uh, PeaceWorks Live, our live event in Charleston, West Virginia, and we would love for you to check that out as well as we'll be doing a Men of Peace facilitator training, as well as a trauma-informed victim care track this year. Uh, spots are limited, and you can learn more about that at chrismoles.org. All right, so today's topic, we have uh, another question, and this is a question that um, is not uncommon and is one of the more hazardous to navigate in the world that in which we work when it comes to domestic abuse and intervention and prevention and uh, safety and so on. And I believe this is from a victim or survivor. Can victims lie to protect themselves or their children? Can victims lie to protect themselves or their children? And the questioner goes on to say, is it okay for a victim to lie to her abuser in order to protect herself or her children or her plan to escape? If so, can you provide some biblical support for this? That's an interesting question, and there's a couple avenues I think we could take on it. Obviously, we're, we could go the, the moral route. Is it ever morally or biblically okay to lie? And that's been something that Christians have discussed for a long, long time. But we can also look at some practical applications of this. Uh, as we try to help individuals navigate. First, right off the bat, uh, I would say that, well, I can try to unpack some of the um, biblical rationale, uh, which I would say would be against lying primarily. Um, It is not something that we can just wholesale demand or condone, meaning... um, I don't think it would be fair of me or any advocate or supporter or ally to say, yeah, nope, you can't lie. You can never lie because we're not living in your situation. And so we're not experiencing the things that you're experiencing. So I think the the question actually is broken up into two parts that I, I may want to tackle. The first is, can a victim lie to their abuser to protect them and their children? And obviously the answer to that question just from the language of the question, is, of course, it's possible. Nothing's preventing you 
from lying other than your conscience. And that's a good thing. We want your conscience to be present. So the potential is there. The, the second part of the question really reveals the questioner's heart. Is it okay? Like, is it right to lie? And I don't know that in a 20-minute episode or even a, you know, all-day discussion, I would be able to come away and say, yes, I've got the scenario where it's absolutely morally acceptable to lie. But hopefully, uh, as we flesh it out a little bit, we'll be able to see uh, some of the biblical standards, some some of the passages that maybe we could apply uh, to this situation, and then also think through some of the practical applications. Uh, maybe first, before we dive into kind of what does the Bible say about lying in general, uh, we would say this. I would really caution you in any area of deceit because it's a game or it's a, it's a weapon that we cannot wield nearly as effective as an abuser. So, so here's what I mean by that. If we get into a contest or a competition of manipulating and deceit with an abuser, we'll lie. I often tell people that I train this, that you want to be, as Jesus said, you want to be uh, shrewd as a serpent and gentle as a dove. You want to be aware. You want to be quick on your feet. You want to be ready to respond. But our greatest ally is truth in, in con- confrontational ministry because abusers are so skilled at lying. And so I, I do want to caution you that if you're attempting to hide, buy a time, or, or you know, just keep something um, hidden for a degree of time, turning to tactics that are manipulative and deceitful may buy you some time, but I just want you to be aware that you are not as good at that as your abuser is. They are typically masters at deceit where victims are much more inclined uh, to function in truth. And so I just wanted to throw that warning out there that, that don't get into a contest with an abusive person in the area of deceit, lies, manipulation, because they will always win. That's true for those of us that are um, facilitating groups, counseling, caring, confronting, uh, anytime we attempt to go toe to toe, um, we're going to come out, you know, bruised figuratively, right? So we really have to be shrewd in the right ways, gentle in the right ways, winsome throughout, but committed to truth. Now, with that being said, that the truth is important. We know this because of what the scripture tells us. And so it, the the question in of itself, I think we need to just pause for just a moment and ask the question, does the Bible ever condone or permit or encourage lying uh, for any reason? And I, I think it, you'd be hard-pressed to find in the Scriptures where the Bible actually praises deceit to say, yes, that's the right thing to do. In fact, throughout the scripture, you'll read things like, uh, well, the, the ninth commandment about not bearing false witness. You'll read uh, in the Proverbs about the consequences of a lying tongue. You'll see throughout the New Testament, um, Paul speaks about lying. Um, um, 
encouraging his followers, the, the, the church, the early church, to be truthers, to be committed to the truth and to put off false witness. Uh, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, um, a litany of Psalms talk about the, the problems with lying. And so I think the scriptures are pretty clear that God is not rubber stamping lies as ever being praised or praiseworthy. Now there's two of course, even in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, just their attempt to uh, withhold the truth, uh, to deliver, you know, to say, yeah, we sold this whole, we sold this piece of property and we're giving the church the whole amount, um, is met with pretty uh, significant punishment. As Peter says, you know, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And so I think lying is taken very seriously in the scriptures. There are two. I think two examples of of where lying has a positive outcome. I guess you would say, and the first is um, early on in Exodus, Exodus chapter one, perhaps, where the Hebrew midwives, after Pharaoh has ordered uh, Hebrew babies to be killed. Uh, the Hebrew midwives are lying to Pharaoh and hiding children, and that has a benefit. It saved a lot of lives. Now, of course, several, uh, many Hebrew babies were were slaughtered, but many were saved. And those who were saved, that's certainly a positive because the midwives chose to oppose injustice. So that's typically where a lot of Christians have landed over the years is, well, is deceit or subtle deceit acceptable in cases of injustice? And, uh, of course, the Hebrew midwives are often cited. Uh, The other uh, instance in which lying is seen to be profitable or beneficial, although it's not praised, like at the same time you don't see passages popping back up later in the Scriptures praising the midwives or praising this next character uh, but we do see where it was beneficial, and that is, I want to say Joshua, Joshua chapter two, and it's the story of Rahab and the spies. Of course, uh, Rahab is praised throughout the scripture, and, and she's seen very favorably uh, in the scripture. And the the primary part in which she plays is in sheltering, hiding uh, the spies. In Joshua chapter 2. Now again, we don't see God condoning, approving, or praising their lies, but here we have another instance of subtle deceit, hiding, uh, being used in a profitable way. And again, that's why I'm, I'm using that type of terms, because this has always been the rub in Christianity. This has been, when this question has come up, is it okay for Christians to lie? Usually these two examples are given as, again, times in which lying, hiding was profitable. It, it had a positive outcome, but Christians, again, have been had a hard time saying, absolutely, there's, there's a time and a place and a manner in which lying is acceptable. Now, it it took on a whole new light 
for us in the church around World War II. And of course, Corey Timboom's story becomes like really central to that storytelling for those of us in Western Christianity, as uh, in her book, The Hiding Place, she shares the tension in her own heart and her sister. Where, and I, I could be mistelling the story as I'm just drawing it from memory, but I believe that Corey had a willingness to lie to the police regarding um, where they had hidden that they had hidden Jews in their home uh, where her sister was more reluctant. And there's always been this, um, and there's been this tension in that, in that regard that brought this conversation back to light. I think over the years is, is it okay for a Christian to lie? And of course, hiding Jews during the Holocaust uh, was reminiscent for many Christians of uh, Exodus chapter one and that story. So I say all of that to say, when the questioner asks, can you give biblical support? It's difficult. That's what I can give, that the majority of Scripture condemns lying and deceit because he calls, God calls us as believers to be truthers. The, the exceptions seem to be, and again, not condoned, but shown as a positive outcome those times in which individuals chose to hide, uh, to conceal truth for the nature of opposing injustice. That also seemed to be the rationale from Corey Timboom. And of course, individuals uh, were saved uh, during the Holocaust. That, that would have been Dutch, Dutch Jews for uh, the Timboom family. So that is the wrestling match that Christians have wrestled with for years. So to come back to the question, is it okay to lie um, to your abuser to protect you and your child? I certainly think there's precedent that aspects of concealed truth um, could provide a positive outcome. However, as I warned at the beginning, you cannot, at least I don't believe any of us, can sustain forms of deceit around an abuser for a long period of time. If, if questions are being pressed, are you planning to leave me? Would be one of those questions. Are you going to take the kids? Um, how one answers that question will have consequences. Can we just agree on that? The question, are you going to leave me, adding the venom and the, the tension and the tone will have consequences. Um, a choice to answer the question directly, yes, I'm planning to leave you, and then offering additional information, and here's the way in which I'm planning to leave you, will more than likely result in the, more than likely, the hindrance to the execution of the plan. A direct answer such as yes will also risk escalation. So will a direct answer such as of course not because it comes again with consequences because abusers rarely ask questions in order to gain information. They're normally asking questions in order to reinforce their intimidation. So a question as heated as are you going to leave me probably doesn't have an answer that's going to result in an immediate positive outcome. 
some people might be able to be quick enough to uh, quick enough on their feet to say something like, well, why would you ask such a question? Or, um, I don't, I don't understand what you're, what you're wanting or, um, this is, this is your concern. This is what you're worried about right now. Being able to return a question with a question sometimes can, can uh, avail some time. But for the most part, when an abusive individual asks questions, they're not asking questions for information. They're asking to reinforce uh, the abuse that they're already uh, stating. So is it okay? Is it ever okay to lie? Uh, in order to protect you and your children, I think that's a matter for your conscience. I can't tell you what I would do in your situation. I've never been in the situation where my life, my health, my immediate safety has been compromised to the degree that most of the victims that we work with and hear from are. I think if I was in your situation, I would probably want to do anything that I could to keep my plans of escape concealed. I think I would want to do everything that I could to keep my safety plan hidden until time to execute it. And just because I'm withholding that aspect of the truth and not freely offering it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm willfully deceiving at that point. Um, I, I'm... I think that's where I would land because the wickedness of domestic violence, the harm in which it would do to you and your child um, would represent in my mind uh, one of those aspects of injustice that are reminiscent of the pressure that was put on the Tim Boom family and the pressure that was placed upon Rahab and the pressure placed upon the Hebrew midwives, who um, had direct consequences for either, either the full delivery of the truth or consequences related to the withholding of the truth. So in my mind, I, I think the answer would be, if you're in immediate danger, if your plan of escape is designed to alleviate the threat, uh, immediate threat in your life, uh, through escape, um, then I would be inclined to do whatever I could to keep that concealed. Um, if you're receiving pressure, if the questions are becoming more pointed, the questions are becoming more direct, then more than likely the suspicion on the part of your partner is higher, and I would issue you a warning that more than likely if the suspicion is growing, that you're thinking about escaping, seeking safety, seeking help, that the risk to your safety is increasing as that suspicion increases. The most dangerous time for a woman in particular in domestic abuse situations is when they attempt to seek help or leave. And so suspicions that you're preparing to leave are actually building potential threats, greater threats to you and to your children. So in that regard, I would encourage you not to just con keep concealing, right? Not, not just to 
okay, how do I keep the facade going until I'm ready to go? The question now may be, how do I speed up the timeline in order to seek help um, effectively before there's greater risk to my safety and my child's safety? I don't know if we're ever going to have a clear cut, here's exactly what you do in that situation answer. Uh, But I hope just the reminders that the Bible expects us to be people committed to the truth. The Bible expects us to be people committed to the good, to um, justice. And there are some brief examples, although not um, imperatives, not direct commands for us, but there are some examples within the Scripture that show that when faced with injustice, when faced with the concealing of truth uh, has equal to great consequences as withholding the truth or um, revealing the truth, similar to the Hebrew midwives and to Rahab and even to our story we cited with the, the Holocaust, that perhaps lying is the only means to, um, to keep our plans hidden. And we have to make that decision for ourselves and our conscience based on our, ourselves and our conscience and the spirit to, um, yeah, to, to do what's best for us next and what's best for our family next. I would not want to be in that position. I haven't been in that position. I think that's why I stumble a little bit over my words trying to articulate what I'm thinking because I, for one, I don't want to just legalistically fall down on one side of the ditch and say, no, you have to, you have to reveal everything that you're thinking to your partner. I just, that advice would be dangerous and possibly deadly. And I would never want to give you that type of advice. At the same time, I don't want to fall in the ditch that, that says, yeah, I mean, lie about everything because I, not only do I think it's practically ineffective against an abuser, I think it has a, I think it has an effect on our heart when we become a person who's accustomed uh, to lying. So is there a middle ground? I think so. I think there's a middle place, a middle ground in which the, the act of deceit in the pursuit of justice and safety um, is something that we can probably tolerate and um, deal with when we're in a safe place. And I think that would be my advice. What's it going to take if you're in danger and your partner is raising their suspicion, their questioning, their tone, their aggression in order to find out your plan to stop you, to continue to control you? uh, How can we get to the safest place as quickly as possible and begin doing that work personally that we need to do in a place of safety? Again, no easy answers here, guys, and I certainly would not want to direct someone to violate their conscience, Um, but I do want folks to be safe and to make wise choices. So my prayer for you, and there's many, many people listening to this podcast who probably are hearing this question and wrestling with it the same way that I am, and I challenge them to pray for you and for every victim that's caught in that desire of wanting to honor God in truth and being a person of truth while at the same time wanting to um, remain healthy and safe 
in the face of uh, imminent threat and danger. So um, there are many people joining you, praying for your strength and your courage as you take the wisest next step uh, based on uh, what you know of God's word and your conscience. Uh, I hope this was helpful. Uh, I hope this brought maybe some more questions to your mind, maybe some further discussion we can have about injustice and what we do in the face of injustice and threat and um, how significant that is to the story of domestic abuse, that sometimes we just think of domestic abuse maybe ethereally, just kind of in this um, theoretical sense. But there's a real practical part of this work where people are in imminent danger. And how do we navigate that imminent danger safely and uh, well um, in a way that honors people and honors God? We'll continue to continue to try, continue to think, continue to talk um, about these things together. I thank you guys for being part of the PeaceWorks podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe. Let the platform that you're listening on know that you listen and value the podcast. Again, we appreciate everybody so much for being part of this community. And until we meet again, God bless.